Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today on the Debunking Economics podcast, dog days and hot bonds. Well, there's been a few dog days already this summer, hot steamy days, which have reached extraordinary temperatures in North America this last week. And government plans to issue bonds to cover the cost of dealing with the climate crisis. It's already happening, just as they issued bonds for the uh, pandemic emergency. Now they want to do the same thing to save the planet. So is this a good idea? What about Rishi Sunak's idea of issuing retail bonds in the UK for mum and dad investors who want to feel good that they're actually doing something to help save the planet. But will they actually be helping to save the planet? I'm Phil Dobby, and we'll look at all of that with Professor Steve Keane once again on the Debunking Economics podcast. Welcome along. Well, Canada and the west coast of the United States have been hit with extreme heat this last week. The town of Lytton in British Columbia reached 94, sorry, 49.5 degrees centigrade. I've been in Sydney when it's uh, it's hit that temperature. A heat dome uh, is the cause of it, caused by static uh, high pressure. So this is obviously another example of climate change. NASA said last year, 2020, was the hottest year on record. The uh, The record before that was 2019 then 2016, then 2015, then 2017, 2018, before that. You get the picture? So what do we do about all of this? Because clearly the planet is getting warmer. Uh, A start is to focus on public money, perhaps. But where does that money come from? In Europe, the ECB has the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program, which is uh, designed to get people out of the COVID crisis, where the ECB basically buys 1.8 trillion euros of basically government bonds from member countries, which is going to last until March next year. They've still got 700 billion of that left to spend. But it's not all in support of green initiatives. And of course, it shouldn't be when there are countries struggling to get back on their feet. But what about the idea of funding climate action through bond purchases, through quantitative easing, Steve? I mean, you hate QE, so it might be a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. It's it's not really QE because QE doesn't drop any money in private bank accounts. And this this is the reason that, uh, you know, I, I see all this stuff, uh, particularly on Twitter, of course, with people saying, why did QE not cause massive inflation? It's because it didn't create any bloody money, not directly anyway. Uh, and this is, again, where mm. not understanding the accounting involved. But it, uh, enabled, it people, enabled governments to overspend, though, didn't it? And that created money. So, it's, I mean, maybe governments... No, not really. No, no, it, it didn't. But QE itself uh, was a straight asset swap because mm. uh, it, it didn't, QE didn't provide any money to governments. Uh, it, it, and the bonds that were being purchased, um, the, the money uh, that, that was purchased didn't go anywhere near the government sector. So, um, like, like you know, if you, again, I, I, I almost see bloody double and triple giving tables in my, in my, my eye and my head when I think this stuff through. But if you think about the asset side of a banking sector, the banking sector, it's fundamentally reserves, which are their deposits of the central bank, uh, bonds, which uh, you know, the majority of those are government bonds, yeah. treasury bonds that they've purchased, and then loans to the private sector. Those are your three major classifications. Now, what QE was, was a promise by the Federal Reserve, in, in take the American case, 
uh, which is always engaging in what they call open market operations, where they're buying and selling bonds off the uh, private sector. And, um, but they're largely the go- government oh, bonds, aren't they, that they're buying? Oh, they're largely government, but QE extended it because QE said we're going to buy not just government bonds but also mortgage-backed securities, yeah. uh, you know, really, really fantastic high-quality things like that produced by the private <laughs> banking sector. Because we never and learned. if you never believe that, I've got a couple of bridges to sell you <laughs> yeah. and maybe an underpass or two. Okay, so we, I mean, I feel like we've covered this ground quite a bit. But the, we, but ha- the, we have, yeah. But the so issue... QE, QE's not, yeah, not, not money for the government. Yeah. But the issue about... But, but it is buying up bonds that governments have issued... By and large, bonds that whether it's on the secondary markets or primary markets is buying up bonds that governments have issued. Now, I think maybe if they know that there's a chance that they can keep on, uh, you know, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that central banks and governments have colluded on this over the last year because they had to. The, you know, the idea that hey, you know, don't worry, mate, if you issue a lot more debt, we'll buy it back. Don't don't you worry about that. So, just issue what you think needs to happen. So that's been happening, and that that is QE, and that has obviously expanded money because governments have created money that they wouldn't otherwise, you know, they've expanded expanded their budgets further than they would normally, and so that's money creation. Mm, I think I had a fight with an ex-patron recently on this front, a guy who runs the Canadian um, uh, Monetary Reform Group. Um, so I'm going to have to continue hamming and say, no, that's not the case. Uh, because uh, Okay, well, let's, it, take it, it, let's take it step by step then. So a government, yeah, overspend, yeah, yeah. government spends more than it would normally. That is creating yeah. more money. Yeah, that's creating more money. Yeah, and that's that's the point of having a fight with this guy from the Canadian Monetary Reform Group. When you look at the accounting, that's what happens. And the the basic rule is that if you want to create money, you have to do something which affects both the asset side and the liability side of the banking sector. If you only accept affect the asset side or the liability side, you don't create money. And that's lumping. I mean, but when I say assets and liabilities. I'm also including effectively short-term equity for the banking sector. Right. Um, for in, in the in the in the in the liabilities side of things, is just in terms of working their calculations. But uh, money money is fundamentally what's in private bank accounts. Bank yeah. accounts people like you and me have at private banks. Okay. So we, let's take this quickly because we want to sort this out. Yep, it's not yep. really what we came on yeah, to yeah. talk about, but very quickly, just so we're all in the same space. I'm a government. I uh, overspend my money. I have uh, I have created money because I've overspent my budget. Then I issue. I decide where I'm going to cover that by issuing bonds. Mm-hmm. Somebody buys those bonds, and in effect, that that that, that, that then, then the money hasn't because somebody has bought it. They've bought my debt. Then the act of creating money has disappeared, hasn't it? Because basically, I'm now just spending money that somebody else would have spent on something else. No. Right. Okay. Explain that to me then. So I, I'm, okay. a, I'm a billionaire. I've got a billion pounds. I'm going to spend it making stuff uh, or buying stuff. Uh, and then the government comes along and says, hey, we've overspent this money. Here's a, you could buy a billion pounds worth of our bonds. I go, okay, well, I'll buy that billion pounds of bonds. Uh, I'm not spending the money that I would have spent elsewhere. So how is that? Uh, how is that not sort of like a net zero game in terms of the amount of money in circulation? That's this is why this stuff is so important to think in in double entry bookkeeping terms. Is why Minsky matters so much because it is literally the only program on the planet that lets you look at these things in strict double entry bookkeeping terms. And what you're talking there is is. Uh, the, the billionaire buys bonds off the government. That's the private. That's a private non bank. Buying bonds off the government or off or off the uh, the private banking sector, for that matter, um, that actually destroys money, because to buy those bonds, that billionaire is buying, you know, taking a billion dollars out of his bank account, mm. uh, uh, purchasing bonds with it in his personal accounts. That means the amount of money 
uh, he's got in his uh, bank account goes down by a billion, the amount of uh, you know, money worth stuff, bonds, goes up by a billion. There's no change in his overall net worth. The reason he's done it because he's getting a return on the bonds themselves. The money in the bank account doesn't pay interest these days. The bond does. That's why you, you do the trade. But in what that means to do it, they've got to re- he's got to reduce the amount of money in his pri- banking account at a private bank, and that reduces the amount of money in circulation. So selling bonds doesn't finance government spending. Right. And this is this is this is the point, and that applies. But if it's reducing, if it's reducing money, isn't it reducing money by the same amount that the government created by overspending in the first place? Yeah, if it's if it does everything, I mean, if you if so you it would be a net zero game, wouldn't it? In that case, yeah, that yeah case. the fundamental act that creates money is deficit spending, which puts. Uh, the, you know, if the deficits say, you know, that that's, we're getting to big numbers these days, a trillion pounds, you know, we're, we're getting close to that in the, Ameri- in the UK economy. A trillion pounds of spending increases bank accounts by a trillion pounds. It increases the reserves of the private banks by a trillion pounds. Now, that, that's stage one of, 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 uh, of the operation. That's the part that actually creates money. That's, and when I work in my differential equations, uh, the, the rate of change, DDT, rate of change with respect to time of money is deficit, equal to the deficit. And that's I mean, not looking at private lending also creating money, but that's what the, the government does. And that's strictly done by the act of running a deficit. And when the bonds come into it, uh, what you've done by the deficit, if you created a trillion dollars worth of money in private bank accounts, you've also created a trillion dollars worth of reserves in the bank accounts the private banks have at the central bank. So when you offer that bond for sale to the private banks, uh, you're offering them an asset swap because they can use the trillion dollars that's been created by the, uh, by the uh, deficit in, in terms of reserves for them. They can use that to buy the trillion dollars worth of bonds you offer to them. Right. And whereas they can't uh, you know, speculate on reserves, you, there's no market in reserves because market money is effectively the same as money on the asset side of the books. You can't okay. get a higher and lower price for that. But bonds go up and down in value, so, so you can actually trade bonds. So one so, reason okay. the, the banks are, So yeah. it's an asset swap. So as far as, far as the an asset swap. As far yeah. as the bank's concerned. And as far as the government's yeah. concerned, it's newly created the, the overspend is newly created money. So if there's mm. if there's if there's a billion yeah. pounds that they overspend, that's new money. Uh, if they uh, it, the, the issuing of bonds is a is a net zero game uh, as far as the as far as the bank's concerned because it's an asset swap okay so it's a yeah. billion uh, upshot a billion pounds that didn't exist before now exists a trillion in, in, yeah, yeah. Or a trillion billion you know what's a billion or a trillion you know, between when you're, when you're, exactly when, when what, you're talking serious money when yeah. we're talking in a few years what comes after a trillion what is it what's uh, what's next what's going to be the uh, you know when, when a trillion i think we like get to quadrillion i think that's the next well, one that sounds uh, very i think it's a million billion quadrillion <laughs> i always think of uh, austin powers with uh, one million trillion billion pounds, um, which uh, seems like a lot of money, doesn't it? Uh, you obviously never <laughs> seen that movie. Um, it's perhaps right. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So, let's get back to where we were then. So, green mm-hmm. initiatives. So, the the idea because the idea is with uh, with the ECB with their pandemic emergency program is that they are issuing bonds, uh, and uh, they still have a, a chunk of it left to, to spend. It's not all in support of uh, of green initiatives, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but it is. It is QE. You're saying, well, it's not really because it's going into the into uh, into the, the, into private bank accounts, but it's not. It's not really, is it? I mean, it's it is government. No, it's, 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 so government. The government of Italy says, right, we we need bond. We're going to issue bonds. 
the European Central Bank says, okay, well, we're going to buy a chunk of those. And uh, mm. so, that, I mean, no, that, that is... That, that, that does enable the Italian government to spend because yeah. they, they are not a country, okay? Italy is a state of the European Central Bank. Yeah, exactly. European yeah, and the They're same with all countries. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that, that gets back to where I started then from. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. Everyone hates me hates it when I do that. They just <laughs> want to listen to you. But it does get back to where no. I started, that they have... It, it the, does for the... It could be, yeah, because effectively, the, the, way, the way you think about the, uh, the countries of Europe <laughs> is their states of America. Yeah. And if the state of America wants to spend money, like a, if, if uh, for example, um, uh, Washington State, for some strange reason... Uh, wants to raise some money to spend uh, money on climate change, it has to sell bonds to get money off the um, off the um, uh, private sector, which would, does take spending power away from the private sector. And if they wanted to do it without doing that, then the, then the Federal Reserve bought the bonds. They'd be really hunky-dory. Um, so, yeah, what you're describing is a situation where a state government, i.e. either Washington State in America or Italy uh, in, in uh, Europe, uh, needs to sell bonds to raise money to do anything. Yeah, and that is QE, and it has the you know the effects. No, it's not QE. <laughs> well, it is. We should be doing this in a pub. It's definitely <laughs> thing into an English pub conversation. You're right next. It is, isn't it? It's not QE. Well, it, yeah. well okay. Well, it, <laughs> well, if it's a pub conversation, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, no, it is. No, 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 no. Yes, it, it is. No. No. <laughs> Oh, that's my. That's your you side. Yeah, sides. Okay. okay, let's have another beer. We so, apologise uh, to our viewers, and pardon me, listeners. <laughs> so, if it's not QE, but it is, it is. So, what's happening here? The the government is issuing bonds. The central bank is saying, "Well, look, there's not enough. You know, for whatever reason, we think there's probably not enough buyers. Is the real reason, isn't it, for these bonds? And we need to control the uh, uh, the interest rates. Uh, and the easiest way for us to do that is is to buy those bonds rather than um, just keeping them on the open market. That's QE, isn't it? No. Nope. <laughs> No, okay. Well, it, what, how does it differ in your definition of QE then? QE is entirely an operation run by the central bank. Yeah. Okay. Well, but so you're leaving government Europeans. spending out of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that when you think about the central bank, you've got to think about their double entry bookkeeping. And so for them, reserves, which are the deposits of private banks at the central bank, that's a liability. Um, and the uh, on the other side of the balance sheet. You've got you know, bonds that have been purchased by the central bank. Now, the central bank can simply uh, tell the private banks that we're going to put the number one trillion into your reserve account, and in you know, recognition of us putting, uh, you know, one followed by what is that? Uh, that that's nine zeros. Yeah. Well, that's a billion. I want by twelve it, zeros. So yeah, one whatever. followed by twelve yeah. zeros. We're going to put that number. In, in your bank account, in your reserve accounts, uh, and doing it, you will then hand us pieces of paper which you value at being one followed by 12 zeros, and we're going to call those bonds that we've bought off you. So that, 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 is, that, that is creating... Um, so you're saying it's it, not it, gone onto the open market before they... It's not gone onto the open market. It's saying which is the, 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 the Federal Reserve or but any But I don't think, is that, is, that, is that the way it works? Is that, is that yeah. the way the PEP... PEP is working. I thought uh, the, this pandemic emergency fund, I thought that they were basically buying up bonds, which were a mix of uh, largely government bonds, but also uh, corporate bonds. But they were but they were buying up bonds not on the uh, on the on the open market. But you're saying, no, they're just well, buying, they're buying on the open market. They're buying them off the non-bank people, non-banks. And then you are creating money. OK. Because what you're saying is, right. so, again, so you're saying that yeah. so all this all this emergency funding out of the EU at the moment, none of it is quantitative easing. Not quantitative. No, it's not. It's 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 actually 
it's providing uh, because the because the countries of Europe are stupid enough to sign up to the euro. Pardon me, but it is a stupid thing to do. Even Milton Friedman, the one time in my life I've agreed with Milton Friedman, but also agreeing with Wynne Godley, the euro euro, euro is a stupid idea. Mm. Uh, but it, because it's a hole, we're not stupid idea. They don't. Yeah, they don't. Don't have cent- the countries of Europe uh, don't have real central banks. Uh, they've got branches of the ECB, and they don't have real treasuries. Okay, um, they, they they have treasuries, but those they have they have treasuries. There's an Italian treasury, a Spanish treasury, a French treasury, and so on. But for them to get money, they've got to sell bonds. Okay, yep. so so they've 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 you know they've they've neutered themselves by taking away the capacity yeah. to... So they've got to sell uh, bonds on the open market. And, and for that, yeah. the you know, the standing of their country uh, is very important because why buy Greek bonds unless they're paying, a, 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 you know, an enormously mm. high yield, giving you an enormously high yield, which they'd have to, obviously, because of the, the risk involved in them versus, uh, for example, buying German bonds, which are hence... Funnily seen- enough, German Greek bonds are now cheaper than German bonds, I believe. Right. In terms of the, to buy the <laughs> bond, but not the yield that they'll, they'll provide. Yeah, so, well, yeah. So it's the, the, the yeah, chase. I, I think we've been bonded out here. We have. Well, again, it's really not where we wanted to start on all of this. But I mean, no, the, we've sort of completely lost the green thing there. But you want to bring us back to track, and I'll try. I'll, well, I was wondering whether we do green on another day. We're halfway through this podcast, and we haven't even started, started talking about it. But it, but if the we may but, have to, yeah. But uh, but uh, uh, but now let's let's give it a push. We might have to do this over two episodes. My point is though that um, if if Europe really wants to push ahead with the green agenda. They need to issue. Uh, they need to issue bonds. That if if the money is going to be funded by by governments in some way, if there's going to be any public money in this, they need to, they need to be issuing bonds. Now, whether that goes through secondary markets or whether it's just bought directly uh, by the uh, by the central bank, you still have that issue, don't you? That uh, you know, when we look at not QE then, but just the issuing of money uh, by governments, whether it's perceived by people as the government or whether it's the central bank that's creating money. And I think, you know, you're we're obviously saying it's the, the government that's creating the money, not the central bank, because the rest of it is just an asset swap, as you're saying. But the net result is more money is created. Then you get what, where we are right now, which is, you know, inflation fears, house price rises, big rises in, in equities, certainly what we're seeing in the United States. So, whether it's Europe or the US or anywhere else in the world, if you're going to uh, increase the money supply to, to, to fund these initiatives, you run all those risks, don't you? And if you're using bonds as the vehicle for that, then you raise the risk of seeing uh, the interest rates rise as well, which damages the economy. So I'm just not quite sure of the mechanics of it, how it can all work. Yep, It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, we've got to be really careful about separating Europe out from the rest because I said, don't think about Europe as a continent. Think about yeah, think, it's one country. You think, yeah. Yeah. You, you think it's, 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 one, it's a country called Europe with a whole lot of states called, called, uh, called Italy, France, Germany, blah, blah, mm. blah, and they don't have the mechanisms that exist in the rest of the world. So if you want to compare what Europe is doing to what America is doing, you've got to imagine that climate change action in Europe uh, is uh, is effectively this the climate change action in Europe is like climate change in America being done by the states, and therefore, if the states want to raise money, uh, the American states, if Washington State wants to raise money to you know rebuild a few uh, burnt cities, um, then they're going to have to sell bonds uh, denominated in a currency they don't produce called the American dollar, and if they get enough of those sales of bonds. 
then they can finance what they want to do, and that money will be coming out of private bank accounts, which means that the people who buy the bonds can't spend that money. They're giving it to the Washington state instead. So you have no money creation going on and you are redirecting private spending away from whatever the private sector might have otherwise done to what, what the state wants to do. But that's exclusively because you're dealing with a, a entity, a government entity that can't create money. Now, is that a good thing, though? It, I mean, you could argue... No. Well, you, but you yeah. could argue that if, if the natural tendency, I, d- I don't like the idea, but if the natural tendency is for the uh, for private money to go in the wrong direction, the government's stepping in and saying, well, hey, you're not doing enough green stuff, uh, so we are going to start issuing bonds. Uh, say we're in the United States for the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to start issuing bonds. Which, 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 which government? State governments? Or yeah, no, government? the federal government. National. Yeah, the federal, federal government. government. Okay. Yep. So the federal mm-hmm. government says, yeah, we're, we're going to raise, uh, you know, we're going to, whatever, gazillions, um, and by the time we get around to it, uh, in, in funding for green initiatives, uh, we're going to dole it out again to the to the private sector because obviously someone's going to do the work and uh, we're not going to do it, but we're going to raise the money through the issuance of bonds, uh, and the private sector can buy up those bonds. The private sector buying up those bonds obviously are distracting money away for uh, detracting money away from what they would have spent it on. But it's a better outcome for the planet because it's a green initiative. So you could argue that's actually a good thing. Yeah, but you've got to you've still got to do a couple of corrections there. And like the best analogy for, for what we're going to go through uh, is, is the Second World War. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a disaster we've already had. It's in the past. So the disaster in the future, uh, it, at least in terms of how we fund it, will be like the, how we funded the disaster in the past, which is the Second World War. So how did America and, and, and for that matter, the uh, UK pay for the Second World War? And the and that's when they come. When you're looking at a national government, you say it, it, it simply credits. It runs. It runs a deficit. It puts money in private bank accounts uh, on the liability side of private banks. It puts reserves on the asset side of the banking sector that creates the money and then when it sells the bonds uh sells treasury bonds to cover that deficit let's let's just take a a typical deficit during world war ii 30 percent of gdp Mm -hmm. 20 to 30 percent was standard all the way through the second world war um now that that 20 to 30 percent deficit creates uh, in terms of because of working as a percentage of GDP that increases the money supply by 20 to 30 percent of GDP every year now they wanted an enormous amount of that to be uh, used to uh, dedicated to building Sherman tanks okay they didn't want it to be dedicated to buying uh, stockings mm. so as as well as selling as running a deficit in the first place second stage is then selling treasury bonds to the banks to cover the deficit. Now, all that means is that that from the point of view of the uh, Treasury, the Treasury didn't sell the bonds. It would be having a, running a, a negative balance in the Treasury account at the Federal Reserve. Now, let's say there's a law that says the Treasury has to have 10% of GDP as the value of its deposit account at the Federal Reserve before it can spend any money. It had anything less than 10% it can't spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the four. Normally I use zero, but I'm deliberately using a, a positive amount here to make a point about whether the Treasury actually uh, has to sell the bonds before it can fi- finance it. Uh, if it has that 10% buffer sitting there initially, uh, then it can be selling bonds in advance of the expectation of its of its spending. Um, but it's fundamentally that's the deficit that creates the 
um, money in the private uh, private bank accounts for the you know, funding the war effort, and it also creates the reserves in the in the um, private banks. And that means they've now got excess reserves, and they're running a deficit of 30% of GDP. They've got excess reserves equivalent to 30% of GDP. Now, when the government um, offers to sell bonds for 30% of GDP to the private banks, what that means is they are given the offer of convert 30% of non-income earning, non-tradable reserves into tradable interest-earning bonds. Mm. And, you know... Uh, I'm not particularly enamoured of the brain power of most banks, but most are smart enough to reckon that's a pretty good deal. So that's that's why they get more than more than oversubscribed, and the the money that they use to buy the bonds has been created by the deficit. The extra reserves, the source of the reserves, is the deficit itself. Right. So they didn't have to raise the money; it was created for them on the asset side of the banking sector, just as the money that finances the you know, building of Sherman tanks was created by the deficit the government runs and it puts on the on the liability side of the banking sector. So the sale of bonds, what that means is it can ensure the Treasury's account at the Reserve Bank never goes below 10% or whatever your target level you set, zero is what I've done in some of my past modelling, uh, because the sale of those bonds then... On the, on the, for the private banks, that means a drop in their reserves and an increase in their bonds of 30% of GDP. Uh, when you look at the Treasury's point of view, uh, it's running the deficit has turned it from, say, uh, if, it, if it spent without getting any uh, bond sales, it'd go from 10% of GDP as its deposit level to minus 20. It'd be running an overdraft. Now, the selling the bonds means it, the Treasury account gets the revenue for selling those bonds. So it's it spent 30% of GDP. It sells bonds, which worth worth 30% of GDP. Its level of, uh, of, of uh, the, the value of the Treasury account at the, at the Federal Reserve remains at 10% of GDP. So, so the issue in Europe, yeah. of course, is that the, 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 it's harder because, as you say, there's, uh, there's multiple – there's one central bank, multiple treasuries, which are uh, uh, hand-tied as to what they can do. So if we look at, for example, the ECB uh, issuing bonds with the, uh, with the PEP, the uh, uh, Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program, how do they apportion the spending – uh, when you have a bureaucracy like the ECB sitting uh, sitting behind it. So PEP spending well, that, yeah. more than yeah. a quarter of it so far has gone to Germany. France is a close second and Italy add those three together, 65% of the uh, of the spending right there. So there's the bureaucracy that sits behind all of this, isn't there? And so a question about how that lies when if, if Europe is going down a greener route and saying, well, okay, we need to, need to issue more bonds now specifically for uh, tackling climate change, which just seems to be what they're saying, how do they do that in a way which is the most effective when you've got the bureaucracy uh, of various countries all pitching? So, for example, if Italy can make greener cars faster and they need financing to do that, surely they could get it. If the Dutch say we can produce more sustainable agriculture, well, maybe they should get the financing. I mean, it's a bit Ricardian, isn't it, to <laughs> to allocate based on their comparative, adva- comparative advantage within Europe. But it, if you're looking at green projects, maybe that's the way to do it. They, they say, we've got a slug of money. Who can make the best use of it? It doesn't matter where the boundaries are. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much what's in the, what one of the side effects of um, letting – the ECB exists without an equivalent treasury, uh, is that these decisions are being made by ECB bureaucrats mm. and, may, and maybe, of course, also involving the European Union bureaucrats in the whole thing. 
rather than being made by national governments, uh, which is the case as it was when the same thing is done in America. So it's handled it very much had a, had a large amount of power to the European Central Bank. Yeah, which is why it's Christine Lagarde uh, who's making the calls on this, rather than uh, the, the the head of the uh, EU. So, yeah. uh, so Christine Lagarde saying the EU needs to spend. You know, she's not the EU, but she's saying the EU, and I think she really means through the ECB, needs to see around mm. three hundred and thirty billion euros a year every year by twenty thirty to achieve Europe's climate and energy targets. So she's calling for a green capital market union. So, uh, and what that means is, and this is a step towards a more coordinated fiscal policy across the EU. We knew this was going to happen. So really, this should be coming from Ursula von der Leyen rather than from Christine Lagarde. But she's saying there should be, for example, a a coordinated approach, uh, a harmonization of tax treatment of investments, for example, uh, so that there's a level playing field for any investments that that are being made. So, uh, so that's the that's the ECB saying, yeah, we want to get involved in government policy, isn't it? Fundamentally, and and, and this is uh, one of one of the you know, I wouldn't say unintended consequences. It might well be an intended consequence no, of the whole is. thing, because yeah. it's taking it out of the hands of political decision makers. And this is one thing that Yanis Varoufakis was very strong about uh, when he was fighting for Greece in the middle of the whole you know, debacle of the two thousand and eight, um, was that the this is anti-democratic. Now, I've got my problems with democracy, given how we practice it and, um, and, and the type of decisions we're expecting people to make. Uh, but uh, this is handing over management of the economy to a bunch of people with PhDs in economics stuck in the European Central Bank. And according to economists, that's a great idea because you know, PhDs in economics know more about the world than anybody else, which is a total load of cod swallop. Mm. Um, but that, that's been the, the result now. We've now got the ECB effectively making the decisions that Treasury should be making about where money, uh, who gets money when, in terms of who, whose bonds are you buying and, and uh, where does the finance end up going. Yeah, well, let's look at another way then. Look, because the UK isn't hand-strung uh, hand in the same way. Uh, and you've got Rishi Sunak saying, uh, hey, we're going to issue £15 billion of green savings bonds, retail bonds. And this is really just a PR stunt, isn't it? So long as you you know don't examine the detail. It looks good for Rishi, which I think is all he's concerned about. But, uh, the, you know, P- the PR story is now you, the people of England, can invest in saving the planet. So, uh, and obviously he's trying to do it without spending any government money. So th- I think the idea is that uh, you invest through someone in the financial sector who invests in projects that are going to help the planet and then the, the government underwrites it in case it's not very successful. But why would I do that? Why would I buy retail green bonds when I could just buy shares, which are probably going to give me a, a better return? Uh, and you don't pay capital gains on those shares in the UK either unless you're buying an awful lot of them. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what he's getting at here, but the idea of retail green savings bonds seems just a bit piecemeal to me. Well, it is because, again, those bonds aren't financing the spending. Uh, mm. The spending is being again. They were talking to Europe, talking to the UK now. The UK has got a treasury, and it's got it's got its central bank. Um, so when the government spends, it it creates the the, the money, um, and when the bonds are sold to the banks, that's an asset swap. But if those bonds are sold to the public, that's taking money out of the hands of the public. Um, it's not it's not financing what the government has done. It's already done it by the deficit spending. 
that this this whole thing of selling bonds to the public as part of the war effort, which is what we look back in, in the Second World War and selling war bonds, the real effect of that, and it was finally, I don't think it was consciously realised by the people who were doing it initially, because again, the thinking in terms of double entry bookkeeping and accounting is not what economists do, and economists were in control of this stuff. Um, as in some cases, there were people who were realistic about economics, people like Copeland, who wrote the uh, uh, the flow of funds table for America after the Second World War, and Barnsley Rummel and a few others. But when you look at it with an accountant's eye, when bonds are sold to the private sector, that is taking money out of the private sector. Yeah. Uh, so that it's not financing yeah. the war. It's it's cutting down what the private sector can spend on so that you can actually focus the productive capacity of the economy on the war effort rather than on making build, uh, creating more stockings. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, simply explained, it's fifty. If there's fifteen billion pounds sold in in green savings bonds to the consumer, that's fifteen billion pounds that the consumer is not going to be spending on anything else. So yeah, that's uh, right. And uh, yeah, and, but I mean, at a superficial but level, the consumer thinks they're financing the war effort, okay? <laughs> and this is how. The, well, I mean, but the I mean, it does mean they they have directed their money towards things which are better for the planet. So from that yeah, point of view, yeah. it's it's got a benefit. But in terms of growing the economy, yeah, and I think that's what we're going to. If we see it happening, that'll be what's going on. You you want you want the what you want to do is you don't want the public. Uh, I mean, because you've got to focus on an existential crisis, mm. you really couldn't give two hoots about people's utility maximization. Uh, what you want to do is begin to get them to living on, on rations, you know, chicory rather than coffee, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to cut back on spending, which would uh, which would you know, put inflationary pressure in the economy because the, the war effort itself, and then they're talking a climate war this time rather than the Second World War, that itself, uh, you're trying to make your resources work at 100% capacity. You want your factories absolutely going flat out. Um, you, you, know, you hire everybody, including, my God, during the Second World War, even women uh, took over the manufacturing lines. They could kick them out. with a, That was Rosie the Riveter in America, for those who don't know that particular story. Um, uh, but you, you want to make sure the people, the workers you're hiring are turning up in the production lines for the, for the machinery of war, not for producing consumer goods. And that's the role of those sales to the public, which the public thinks are enabling the, the, the government to fight the war. Anything but. It's, it's just meaning the government doesn't have to worry about private consumption going crazy. Uh, with the extra spending the government's doing for for the war effort, right? Well, actually, I mean, right now, I mean, maybe that's Rishi Sunak's ultimate plan. He says, "Well, if there is a concern about inflation, let's get consumption down." And one way of doing that is to get people investing in green savings bonds. It could, could be exactly that the same. He knows what he's doing. I mean, no, um, I doubt he's, that, a, he's a Tory, isn't he? Yeah, and actually, yeah, I mean, Tory Labor doesn't really matter in England <laughs> these days. They're, they equally don't know what the hell they're talking about. So, because the easy answer, yeah. of course, if it was really just about raising money. Because uh, they don't need to raise money, they just create money. But if it's really having yeah. having money uh, to fight climate change, then he doesn't need to issue fifteen billion pounds worth of green savings bonds, which does seem like a small number when we're talking billions and uh, trillions, doesn't it? And uh, whatever comes next, but he doesn't need to issue that fifteen billion in green savings bonds. He could just create uh, an, uh, an yeah, overspend yeah. of fifteen billion pounds and spend the money as needed. Uh, and that would grow the economy. So it does sound like they're trying to constrain the economy at the same time by doing this, which is probably the real reason. Mm, yeah, they, they presumes they know what they're talking about. And, you know, mm. I, I need certified proof that people know what they're talking about to, in, in the case of money to, um, uh, to make attributions like that. So uh, the government in that approach is not really 
adding anything to it, is it? You know, there's that, I mean, that's just a. I mean, I'm, it's it's curious actually. The government is saying, "Well, we're going to create these savings bonds. You're going to buy them." So they're not. Yeah, I mean, they're not. Yeah, there's over- no net money creation. If 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 all if 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 there's a deficit of a trillion and the government sells a trillion dollars worth of bonds to the private sector, then there's no net money creation. But yeah. what's different is the government spending would be in armaments factories or in the talking of the, the climate war in photovoltaic cell manufacturing and so on. Um, and the money being taken out is coming out of people who would otherwise be going out and buying. Um, uh, you know, whatever they, you know, you know, mobile cameras to take TikTok photographs. Um, so the, you reduce the capacity of, of, of people to do ordinary consumption and you've increased the amount of uh, resources devoted to the climate change effort. So it's, it's, it's reallocated. The money is being crea- created for one part of the economy and taken out of the other. I must remind me, I must go look for your TikTok account. I want to see you doing the TikTok dance, Steve. Uh, God the, <laughs> that's a thought that's not going to escape anyone's mind in a quick, in a hurry. Uh, so you've ruined, you've ruined. It. They can't get rid of that image. Right? <laughs> so, uh, what about um, bonds generally? Because it's not just government issuing bonds. There are green bonds which are being issued by the corporate sector. The European Investment Bond, uh, the World Bank have uh, have had a hand in in issuing and rating these bonds as well. So, yet more bureaucracy. And I guess the the idea behind those is. That, you know, if you're in the finance sector and you're buying bonds, better to buy green bonds because that might be a, a company that's got a more sustainable future rather than uh, the, the, the serial abusers of the environment because they, you know, their comeuppance may come. So we're seeing an interest in green bonds generally, irrespective of what the government does. But of course, you know, you've got to rate these companies and decide um, what are real green companies. And it strikes me that that could easily be open to abuse. So I think the, the European Investment Board and the, the World Bank have got a hand in issuing these bonds or rating them anyway. But, I mean, bad corporate players are just going to try and jump on the bandwagon here as well, aren't they? So, I mean, how do you keep track of, uh, you know, who are the good citizens, how the money is spent? Is the money really spent on green initiatives? Uh, is it just money that's been sidetracked from, from other projects? I mean, just enormous abuse could happen here because we know the finance sector doesn't behave. Well, you see, saw the reports coming out of America today of that wonderful uh, sting that I think Greenpeace was involved in where they got a couple of lobbyists for, uh, I think it was Exxon, on camera, thinking they were uh, uh, hawking their skills as, as lobbyists in Washington and they were exposing what they were doing on behalf of Exxon. Um, and, and in that they said one of the reasons we support carbon taxes is because we know they'll never come in. So you get you know it, it, uh, lots lots of ways in which these things look like they're doing the right thing, but it's done there just because it does look like, not because it's actually doing it. Yeah. So okay. Well, to to round off, is the better way then because it does because it's complexity, isn't it? The reason why they're saying that is because it's just as complex as all hell, and they know that uh, uh, you, you know whatever happens will get watered down to the point of being uh, completely inefficient. But to give Boris Johnson his due, which is something I really do, not uh, very much. <laughs> he has said. No new petrol-powered cars from 2030 in the UK. Uh, no coal power from next year in the UK. Maybe the the role of governments is, uh, I mean, they, they can provide money if it's needed, but maybe they're better off just saying, you know, focusing on regulation uh, and, and putting hard and fast rules so the industry has to, to has to adapt accordingly. So, uh, no, so that's a lot, yeah. I mean, for example, yeah. you are seeing uh, Nissan saying, "Well, we're going to invest in in, um, in electric cars in Sunderland in the UK," and that almost certainly is mm-hmm. because there's going to be no petrol cars from 2030. So you'd better get on with it. Yeah, 
regulation is going to accelerate these things. Yeah, definitely. And is that the only way forward? They can hamper really? as well. They can, they're definitely in this case accelerating. Yeah. But is that the only? I mean, is that what government should really be doing? I mean, for, for, you know, we know. No, they, they should be creating the money as well. I mean, when we get into serious climate change, and I think what we're seeing in in, in Canada is the beginnings of serious climate change. Uh, really, really, people, holy f, we've completely underestimated the scale of this. Uh, then we've got to uh, drastically cut back our impact upon the planet. And if you do that, there's not a company on the planet apart possibly than te- Tesla, which is going to be profitable because the, um, the you know they're, they're going to get a plunge in their in their demand uh, with just no you know the, the revenue is not going to be there. Um, so in that situation, the only source of the revenue is government money creation. Right, but how? And that's d- why we didn't fight. You know, we didn't privatize the Second World War. We're not going to privatize uh, fighting climate change. There was a singular purpose in the in the Second World War, though, wasn't there? You know, we just wanted to win. Well, we had to win, uh, and uh, it's so there was less bureaucracy. I just, uh, f- I mean, the UK doesn't have the bureaucracy of the EU, but um, but it, it still has. It still has bureaucracy. The United States has bureaucracy. So you get to the question. The EU might be right to say, so Christine Lagarde wants to spend 330 billion euros every year uh, by 2030. I mean, from then on, um, that might be not what needs to be done. But um, how do you handle the bureaucracy of issuing that to the projects which are going to be the most effective? Yeah, well, we've completely stuffed up the, the capacity of the bureaucracy by swallowing neoclassical economics and believing that anybody who works in the bureaucracy is doing it for their own interests, uh, which is what's given us mediocre, as well as underfunding the bureaucracy for the last 40 years. We've given, given ourselves mediocre managers uh, without the capacity to plan for uh, alternatives for the future. Uh, and now we're going to desperately need that capacity. So, mm. you know, I, I know some quite a few bureaucrats in, in the UK. They've got quite a lot of time for those people who really are there because they're forward, forward looking about the you know, dangers we face and they want to do something about it. Uh, but the vast majority have been reduced to, you know, playthings of the political battle and austerity between Labor and uh, and Conservatives. So, so you, you don't necessarily have the brain power you want in the, in the place you need it at the time. So you're saying that's what we've got to get. We've got to get to a situation where actually there has to be some uh, centralised control, uh, which, is a, which is a big fight in the, the, the way the economy is operating today, full of experts, uh, which are very unpopular these days, uh, who know about climate change, who know what has to be done and then can work with the private sector with money that they have created to issue to the private sector to try and build the projects which are going to make a difference. But there's pretty much mm, that's a the problem is we don't trust politicians and uh, yeah as I say we don't trust experts. Um, it's a- well, you, what, what do you have to? I mean, we, 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 one of the reasons we won the second world war is because of experts mm. um, and, and also like They're good decision now, making by the Nazis, such as not uh, not continuing with nuclear weapons research at some point. There's one of Hitler's decisions apparently. Mm. Um, so yeah, you you, you in, in a situation where the threat is existential, uh, then you hope people behave. Um, motivated by you know, a desire to do good for the society and the planet, uh, rather than personal gain, right. and uh, that then throws you know the whole uh, utility maximising vision of neoclassical economics out the window. Uh, 
And what you have to you have to hope that that sense of urgency is what drives people's behaviour on both the private and the public sectors. And don't stick the finance sector in the middle of it. Don't try and use the financial sector mechanisms that exist currently to be the distributor of this money. That's what we're saying as well. Yeah, really. they're the ones you can guarantee will be in it for their own interests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get right. them out of the way. Very good. Well, look, next week, it sort of links to this. I want to talk about scarcity because this is, uh, you know, how do you manage scarcity and um, an opportunity cost? We've talked about it before, but it was a while ago and it seems to be coming uh, much more important now. Are we putting artificial constraints on ourselves because of this idea that we can only allocate resources based on scarcity? So we'll explore that a bit more next week. It's been a good one. Good to talk, Steve. Okay, mate. Good. A, a good one, but a long one. I hope you didn't have any plans as to what to do with the rest of your day uh, as you try and digest all of that. That's it for this week. I'm Phil Dobby. He's Steve Keen, back with another edition of the Debunking Economics podcast next week. Thanks for listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.